like the red shoelaces. Did you add to add that, or did that the?
Good morning, everybody. How's it going? It's nice to wake up and see sunshine, right? Well, it's good to be with y'all. Hope you're doing doing well. Have a nice week. Staying warm. Um, if you want, stand up and we'll pray and praise God. Father, we're here for you this morning. Uh, may everything that happens here be for you and your kingdom. God, I pray that all of us grow closer to you and to each other this today. Um, I praise you for the, the wonderful get-together we had yesterday. Uh, thank you for all the guys that came out. Uh, I pray that uh, next month we have more and it just continues to grow and just be an awesome thing for us as a body and brothers and for the church. Um, so we lift this time up to you. Pray for Leonard as he preaches. Uh, pray for clarity of mind and all our hearts as you speak to us through him. So we love you and give this time to you, God. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Come and let your glory, come and let your glory fall. Our Father, who art in heaven, the rocks cry out your fame. Come and let your glory, come and let your glory fall. And I will sing, sing a new song. I will sing, sing a new song. I will sing, sing a new song. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let every heart proclaim the mercy of your name on earth as it is in heaven. God, give us new every morning. Mercy is daily bread. And in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we pray. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us with your hand. And in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Father, we pray. Let your kingdom. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let every heart proclaim the mercy of your name on earth as it is in heaven. For the kingdom is yours and the power is yours and the glory forever. Amen. And the kingdom is yours and the power is Let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let every heart proclaim the mercy of your name on earth as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth 
one a um, couple quick announcements uh, middle school tonight uh, they're having a youth group meeting um, six to eight um, if you've been here sweet if you know more people that can come invite them uh, there's a property committee again uh, tomorrow 6 30 in the room at the end of the hall if you're a part of that or would like to be a part of it it's a great way to be involved in the church and again just keeping this place looking nice um, and then finally, if you're interested in being a part of the outreach program or events planning, uh, there's a group of people who get together and make it awesome. They've done a great job. Um, they're meeting February 21st at 630 again here. Uh, so if you got questions, contact the church or just come at that time. Yeah. Mr. Rich.
Well, it's so good to see everybody today. Looks like we got some people coming uh, out of the woodwork a little bit, which is good because it's been such a brutal uh, couple of years for all of us, I know. And um, one of them, I don't know if he showed up today or not. Yes, he did. That's the one I was uh, especially going to pay attention to. So if you want to, because he hates it so much, uh, turn around and you see a guy in a blue mask behind Jason Ken. Yeah. There he is. Well, that's Rob Coffee. if anybody didn't know. He's our, our resident celebrity, which he hates us saying. But we are so grateful, uh, given what you've gone through, Rob, to have you join us. And um, you're being lifted up in our prayers. And I know you have a procedure coming up as well. Uh, and we're just praying that God will continue to heal you and just restore your health. Uh, just a funny, quick story. You know, we had a men's gathering yesterday. And, of course, you know, Rob had this, this, this heart episode uh, a couple of weeks ago, I guess. And, um, you know, he's not rolling over. He's just like, well, what can I do? So he starts calling all the men in the church and saying, hey, can you show up at this gathering? And uh, so people were showing up and stuff. And and it was great, and then, and then Rob showed up, which I'm like, oh, man, I feel sorry for the people that didn't show up. There's no, there's no excuse. <laughs> so I'm piling on a little bit, but not too much, uh, because uh, it is just good to see uh, Christ work in our lives, regardless of what we're going through. And I'm just so grateful that you asked the question, Rob, you know, what can the Lord do with me right now as I'm as I'm uh, waiting for, you know, my, my bypass surgery. Uh, so we're going to keep you lifted up in our prayers. Just let us know when there's a date. And uh, we'll, you know, be praying, especially on that day, uh, for God to just um, do that thing that he does through the skilled workers and through his, uh, his, his mighty power. Uh, so thank you. And we did have a great men's gathering yesterday, so I just want to rejoice in that. Uh, anything else we want to lift up that's a, that's a thing of uh, praise or petition? I uh, just want to kind of keep, uh, keep those things forefront because I think the Lord, um, he glories in the fact that we come back to him after we ask him in our spirit of desperation to help us to come back with a spirit of gratitude and say, you know, thank you, Lord. Thank you for this blessing. It is part of closing that loop, I believe. And uh, we certainly want to do that as we do privately or corporately when we gather. Um, so uh, I do uh, want to just move on into some prayer concerns. Um, I'll be praying for our family. We're going to uh, Illinois on Wednesday for a funeral for my aunt. I mentioned her not doing well last week, and so she passed away. And, and it's just been, a, it's been you know, bittersweet, of course, uh, when somebody goes home. And um, prayers have definitely been appreciated on that front. Um, anything else we have going on within the body here that um, we can lift up? Okay. Diane? Oh my. In the woods. He had cut down a tree, loaded the trailer to go back to the house, and the back to pick up the saw, and the tree wasn't even working. Oh right. my goodness. Yeah. Yes. Matthew Howell. Okay. That's your nephew. So killed uh, in a tragic uh, accident in the woods. So pray for his family and just that, the trauma of all that, I'm sure. Okay. Anyone else? Patty. Mexico. He's 
Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Just remind him it's hot there. So. Yeah, never mind. For, no, no, forget that. There's got to be another way. So, anyhow, uh, yeah, pray for your brother Gary as he moves. I know he's had some health issues and stuff. That's my brother Jim. Oh, Jim, okay. How many brothers and sisters do you have? I have four brothers and two sisters. Oh, wow. And you're the oldest. And you're the oldest. Nobody's questioning that, Patty. Ah, oh, that's so good. Oh, man. Humility goes a long ways with me, doesn't it? That's great. You've earned it, though, I'm sure. Okay. So, any, anyone else? All right. Yes. Yeah, Melissa, sorry. Okay. All right, so pray for Coleman as uh, Matt must have taken him to the seizure clinic. And just, it's been a long journey for you guys. And we want to pray that somehow in all of this, uh, Coleman will, uh, you can do everything that you can from an earthly point of view to ensure a good quality of life. And we trust that God's going to bring healing and, and everything that he needs. And uh, still a, an ambiguous um, diagnosis. Okay. Um, so one more, one more praise. Um, and I don't know if she'll appreciate me mentioning this, but my friends, uh, JC and Natasha, uh, visiting us today. And Natasha is really close, aren't you? Like, how close? Like, it's not happening today, is it? Two weeks. So it could happen today. Maybe a short sermon today. Who knows? All right. So great to see you guys. Well, let's go ahead and, um, and take all of this and a few more things before the Lord and... Um, and, and, and ask God to help us. Lord Jesus, it is, um, it is the best day of the week. It is the first day of the week. Uh, there is no greater priority in our lives than, than you. And we understand that in increasingly uh, uh, profound ways as we go through life and we recognize our dependence upon you. And in this last few years, Lord, we've seen you with even greater clarity in contrast to so much that is in disarray and chaos and certainly fraught with fears and worries and uncertainties. You are that one place where we go and sometimes we hide and sometimes we just um, uh, draw from you all of that life-giving power and presence and everything that defines our lives with God through you, Lord Jesus, we are grateful. We're grateful for your heart, your compassion, your awareness that you bring to bear upon each of our lives and the struggles that we have and the wisdom that you have that is, that is unmatched, that traces along with us in life in ways that um, we know that you patiently follow us and help us and encourage us, and at times you chastise us and rebuke us, only because you love us so much, Lord Jesus. And for those reasons, and just so many more that are deeply personal, we come before you in a spirit of worship. And we place to the side everything that's a preoccupation, that is a source of worry, the things that perhaps are are, are, are distracting or that we're fixated on, and we just want to be drawn into your presence. And so help us, Father, to release everything that we have on our minds 
and to just be open to receiving from you what you have to say to us today. Help us, Father, to draw strength from the faith and the trust that we have in all things that you have established in your Son and through your Son and for your Son. We thank you for the journey that we've been going on through Luke and through all the different ways that we have been able to reinforce what you are doing in this church in this Kairos moment that we've been talking about. Thank you, Father, for the things I see happening in the lives of people here within this body, how in the midst of the uncertainty and the changes that um, are so um, hard to comprehend at times in the world around us, in life in general, we thank you, Lord, that you are that consistent place that we can go. And so as we just establish our lives here this day, Lord, in you and in the realities of your kingdom, we ask that you continue to help us to grow and to become the people that you call us to be, to be salt and light for the world, to be a blessing, to be on task for the purposes that you have for us and the people around us that you want us to influence for you. So please just come alive in this body, Lord. Holy Spirit, enable us in ways that that, 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 allow, that, 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 that cause us to do the works of your Son, uh, of, the, of the Son. And we thank you, Lord, that as we just take all of the things that we have been learning and we center our lives in them, we come before you with praises. We thank you, Lord, for being with JC and Natasha and just, just help them to have a safe delivery of their child into the world and, and a blessed life uh, together. Thank you for being with Rob, and I pray that you would just bless he and Karen as they anticipate this time of um, waiting and uh, hopefully uh, getting all the necessary things done to uh, bring uh, his heart back into health. Thank you, Father, for being with gatherings that we've had this past week, and especially our, uh, our men's gathering and just how, how that was such a blessing for so many. And we just trust, Father, that as you work through uh, the different uh, leaders and staff and elders and just people that have a desire to see your work fulfilled, that you just expand on that within this body. And Lord, as um, we take um, the burdens and concerns that we have, we want to lift up um, uh, this uh, tragic set of circumstances with uh, Diane Rood's family and, and the loss of her, her um, uh, nephew, Matt. I just pray that, that you just help them through this time. I pray, Father, that you would be with uh, Patty's um, brother as, as he moves to Arizona, that you would help him just uh, in that transition. And I know it's not easy to, to let go, and I pray that you help Patty with that. And I pray, Father, for um, uh, Coleman and the healing that I know his mom and dad longed to see manifest in his life, that you would help them as they chart the path for him with specialists who, by design, understand these kind of dilemmas and can help out in the cure and the care. And Father, I pray that as um, we take everything that we've mentioned and the stuff that is going on as we anticipate the Lent season coming up, we pray that you would bless us as we as a church try to align around scriptures that have historically defined us and defined the Christian church all the way back to the beginning. And we ask that in those recasting of, 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 of those things that were first taught, that we would come alive in, in the ways that honor you. 
We pray, Father, as we look to um, our kids and everything regarding our influence in their lives, especially in this critical time, that you would bring a youth director to us that, um, that, that would be able to dedicate this uh, full-time to, to, to the, the ministry that we want to have for uh, our people. We thank you for Matt and for all the sacrifices that he's made uh, to help that to become healthy and to keep it that way, and just pray for your blessings upon him in that regard. Father, there's just so much that we have on our heart as we come into this space, but we ask now, Father, that you would give us the heart and mind of your son as we pray together the Lord's Prayer. Would you pray with me now? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. All right, well, um, if you have your Bibles with you, or electronic device, or anything that you want to access the scriptures with, uh, we are going to be looking today at uh, the very last two verses of Luke chapter 12, and then we're going to go into Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. So uh, hopefully the, the journey's not been too bumpy so far, but last week I know it was pretty intense given what we had to, what we had to cover, and, and this week is sort of the same way. I don't know that a lot of people really enjoy preaching on this particular part, and uh, I had to do a lot of praying to say, God, help me to see what you need us to hear at First Christian in 2021 relative to these passages, because I honestly believe that as we've been going through the storyline of Luke, each week it seems to speak to what's happening in our church and in our lives. Does anybody have that sense that what we're exploring kind of overlaps into what you've gone through? Maybe it's a hazard of being a pastor, I don't know, uh, because one of the things that is being highlighted in this text is, has to do with disaster, Pastor and disaster, that doesn't really, that shouldn't be like in the same sentence, right? But I'm human like everybody else, and, um, and I experience the same range of things that everybody else does, uh, but obviously I have to process that uh, very intensely through uh, the faith that we explore every week. And it seems like as we're tracking through Luke, there's always something episodic that is happening in my own life that corresponds. So I'm just going to start with that for a second. Uh, and I just want to ask, how, how many people in here own your own home or lived in your place for a long time? Now, I'm not going to ask how many of you like to keep it in order and keep it picked up and all of that stuff. But I am going to tell you, as a homeowner at this place in my life, with the presence of kids sort of diminishing, I'm kind of, well, is this, is this wrong to say I'm kind of enjoying the, the, the quietness? I'm enjoying... The fact that the food bill isn't exactly what it used to be. Uh, I'm enjoying the fact that I don't have to move somebody's car to get my car out. Uh, and a whole variety of things. Uh, but what I especially enjoy is just things getting put into order. Now I'm, I'm becoming people that I used to sort of make fun of because they always organized everything in their house. And all of a sudden I'm like, I get it now. Kids are gone. Now it's worth it to put things in order. Now, a couple weeks ago, you know I mentioned that we had a, a, a water apocalypse in our basement. And you're like, yeah, that really, boy, 
Glad I don't have that going on. And my response to that was, well, it's an opportunity to put that whole water system in, in order. So over the Christmas break, um, I did. I'll put a picture of it up there um, if we can. And I showed this to Jason Austin, kind of, kind, of, kind of bragging, kind of showing off, you know, hey, Jason, look what I did, uh, because uh, he, he understands all that stuff. And um, if you notice, uh, hopefully it looks somewhat orderly, of course, and uh, if something breaks, I can kind of figure out what's going on. There's more to it, but uh, that's what I did over the Christmas break, kind of, and, and New Year's break. But I want you to notice that box up in the upper left-hand corner. If you own a well in, in the rural part of uh, Ohio, you have something called a control box. And it's called a control box because it controls, um, it's the box that says you can or can't have water. And when that control box, in charge like it is, does its job, you can turn on the tap and you can have water, which is wonderful. Now, in this remodeling, there must have been a little bit of an issue with the control box somehow. I'm not sure what it was, but I know after the men's gathering yesterday, after, you know, my pride for displaying that to Jason... I forgot the scripture that says, pride goes before fall. And I went back home, and I, I, uh, I turned the water on, and there's no water. And I'm like, okay, I know this thing inside and out now. Uh, I have no idea what's going on. But I went down there, and this control box is making a funny sound, like it's not happy. And uh, so I, I open it up, and I, I turn the breaker off first, okay, just... And so the next picture, I, I open it up, and uh, inside the control box, uh, there is where you see that line of uh, rectangle at the top called a capacitor, which if you'll notice, it's not in there right now. And then there's a little tab that is the down uh, rectangle that holds the capacitor in place and the thing underneath it called the relay. Now, if you, and the tab is at the bottom, it's, it's in white, and you're like, okay, Leonard, I'm a female. I'm starting to check out right now. That's okay. If you need to look at your phone, that's great. But if not, please bear with me. All right, so this thing called the relay has, by this design, which is sketchy, uh, there's a little tab that holds everything in right next to, if you see the red circle, there is a wire which carries electricity. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but when you put metal things that are attached to other metal things that are grounded and you touch a wire with it, things stop working. And so I opened up the box, and I have no idea how this happened, but that thing was scooched over up against the wires, and some welding evidently had taken place. And you can see sort of the burn marks there. Okay, so I'm like, great. And, but, hey, you know what? Plan ahead, right? So I had spare parts put them in. Well, actually, I moved it, and I started it, and, and, I, and I kicked the thing on, and I'm like, oh, it's working. Thank the Lord. But then I heard a very loud pop, and I'm like, it's angry. And then all of a sudden, all the holes that it had, smoke is billowing out. I'm like, this thing is mad. And I'm like, I don't know if to touch it, to run, to, I don't know. 
So eventually it calms down, I open it up, and the capacitor decided it wanted to retire. And so I'm like, no problem, put another one in, and um, water started working. 30 seconds later, boom! I'm like, holy cow, this is not good. And then the smoke started billowing out. I'm like, I'm missing something here. This thing's trying to make me aware of something, and essentially what it's saying is, yeah, genius, whenever you put this thing back together, you must have, like, jostled something, and now the thing's shorted out. And I'm like, hmm. And then, well, I thought, well, just put in another capacitor. No. Because sometimes if you keep doing the same thing over and over and over, you get the same result over and over and over. So went to YouTube. They told me what to do. They said test the motor, which is 185 feet down in the well. I checked it. And according to YouTube, my motor's dead. So I tried to find another YouTube thing that would give me the answer that I wanted. But all of them said, same story, dead. What's interesting about this is, of course, um, you try to put things in order. And chaos has a way of coming back. And sometimes you miss something. And I don't know what I missed, but obviously it's going to be a little expensive and time-consuming. And, of course, you notice I didn't close, get close to anybody because um, other people took baths. But I, I didn't take one because, um, you know, taking a bath in the kitchen sink. My grandma did that. I'm not doing it. So stay away. But there's another picture I want to show. And I think this, this is helpful, okay, for our whole thing. That, my friends, is a capacitor, all right? Now, if you ever have anything break in your house, your fan, your microwave, your TV, your AC, your computer, they all have that thing called a capacitor. And the thing I discovered about this is it is the thing that makes things happen because it stores a lot of electricity. And that electricity, by design, is like a one-time boom. And then the electricity is flowing into the motor, which if you just have the electricity in the motor without the capacitor and you turn the switch on, are you guys still with me? You guys online still with us? Um, uh, Nothing will happen because objects at rest stay at rest. Objects in motion stay in motion. So people who understand this said, well, you put a capacitor in there where it just gives like a lightning blast for a second. It kicks that thing into gear and it starts spinning, and then it keeps spinning, and you don't need it anymore. Now, my dad had these laying around whenever I was a kid, and he warned me. He said, don't lick them because uh, you won't like it. Matter of fact, don't even touch those things that are the prongs there. And I'm like, well, I don't understand. I don't talk right anymore after that one time, but um, it's, it's common with, you know, some help. Um, but that capacitor really is an interesting, very useful, and very, I would say, essential part of our everyday life. This year I had an air conditioner problem. You know what it was? Capacitor. My wife had a fan go out. You know what it was? capacitor. I'm like, let me just buy a whole bunch of capacitors 
throw them in a drawer, make sure they're not charged, and um, we'll know what to fix. It seems like everywhere you go, these things show up. And you just can't basically do anything without them. I mean, even the electric cars have super capacitors so that when you hit the gas, boom, and then off and running. Well, what's so interesting about this is how much it parallels what we're doing here and how it relates to the things that Jesus is getting ready to say to the people that are sort of like, you know, objects at rest, stay at rest, electricity being just kind of the normal flow. He really had to do something to get things going the way they needed to go. And so let's just figure out how that happened, if you don't mind. And look at uh, uh, Luke chapter 12, uh, last couple of verses. And here's what he says, because uh, Jesus is winding down this sermon. And he says, why do you not judge for yourselves what is right? And it's just another way of saying, why or how can you not really see what's going on in front of you? And it's a point that I think we all need to hear because a lot of times, you know, when, when, I, when, I, when this basement thing happened, my first response was, I just want to go upstairs, take a nap, hope it goes away, and then maybe in a half an hour, come back, turn the water on, and it must have fixed itself. And if you've ever done that, which I have, you know, most of the time, the problem still persists no matter how you try to avoid it or distract from it. It's still there. And Jesus is trying to point out something to the people that are going to play a vital part of making sure that you and I eventually hear the word of God and are able to live accordingly. And so what we have to ask is as we're reading the Bible sometimes, because I know you've read it and I've read it, and we've looked at it and we've said, God, are you mad at me? What, what, or is there something here that, 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 that I, that, that's relating to an experience that I had? Did you not like how I was driving my car yesterday? You just forget all that for a minute. And when you're reading this, ask the question, what did Jesus see? What did Jesus see when he was looking at the situation? So before understanding these scriptures and oftentimes the things that Jesus says, we have to do a little bit of work and ask the question, what did the world look like from his point of view? Before we ask the question, what does the world look like from my point of view? Now, if you ever got a text from somebody and uh, you said something and they responded back, okay, and then you're like, I'm a little uncertain by what you meant by okay. Because that means that you're like, yeah, okay, whatever. Or okay. Or okay. Right? And you don't know, do you? So you got to make something up. And you hope that it's, you know, okay. But you're wondering, but was it, yeah, okay, whatever. Or Okay, like, no, I don't agree, but okay. And when we read the scripture, we have to look at it, not through how we sometimes process stuff, like when we're, when we're reading a text or social media. 
we got to ask the question, where is he coming from with this? And I think if we do, and we hang with them, and we go with them, we find out that he has something to say that may be a little different than what I first thought he was saying. So let's move on into this a little bit farther. Because, you know, the next thing that he says uh, is basically wise discernment knows how... Uh, I, I'm going to have to get my notes here because, well, I'm not sure I cleaned my contacts too well this morning. But you know, you know why. Um, wise discernment knows how to evaluate the present time and then pursue a fitting course of action. And he's really fearful that down the road, the water's not going to flow. The living water's not going to flow. Not necessarily through his life, but through the lives of the people that are tuned in to him. And when that living water flows, it just brings life and cleansing. It is invigorating. I, I honestly forgot what it was like to not have water. And then when you don't have it, you're like, wow, really need it. And Jesus is saying they really need it. And unless people get what I'm saying right out of the gate, my fear is they're not going to get it. So as, um, as we kind of process that a little bit, we look backwards, and we, we remember last week, um, a similar point was made in, 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 in the saying that came before this one, where it says, hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it you don't know how to interpret the present time? And you remember there are moments where it's just regular time. Go to church at 9, get out at 10, go to Bob Evans before the Presbyterians go there. And, you know, it's a ritual. But you look at this hour and you realize that it's not just a spot on the calendar during the week. It is a moment where God says, I got your attention. I know you're listening. And I want you to see what's happening. Because you're not going to have a moment like 9 to 10 a.m. on Sunday any other time. But he's taking that moment and expanding it out and saying, the time that I'm here on earth for three years, it's going to disappear. And I hope you get it. I hope you're paying attention. All right, so you with me? So... Jesus says to them, as you go on to your, with your accuser before the magistrate, make an effort to settle with him on the way, lest he drag you to the judge, and the judge hand you over to the officer, and the officer hand, puts you in prison. And you're like, what are you talking about, Jesus? And this is why a lot of people don't want to preach on this passage, because it's, it's, it's interesting. I tell you, he will never get out until you have paid the last penny. And what Jesus is trying to offset for a second is something that a lot of us believe, that the problems that happen in my life are directly related to something that I've done. So if I have a water issue, in their mind they would have said, well, you know what, you shouldn't go out drinking all night, or you should control your anger 
or you should, you should, um, you know, spend more time with me versus time distracted with other things. And so a lot of people would sort of question, I'm having bad things happen because I've done something wrong and now this is my fate. And what Jesus is trying to help them understand through the story is there is a connection, but you don't always understand how that connection works. Because we will suffer tragic consequences if we don't align our purposes with God's purposes. And essentially what he's saying is bad things are happening if you don't get things in order the right way in the story. And their response is, um, yeah, you bring up an interesting point, Jesus, because we've always thought that you do something bad, a bad effect happens. Do something good, a good effect happens. Now, now let me ask you a question. Does that happen? It does happen, right? But I don't know who's to blame for the water kerfuffle. I probably am in some way. But I'm also looking at it and I'm saying, okay, the way they designed it, I don't know what they were thinking, but you put those objects close like that, that's not good either. So there's sort of like some responsibility there and probably a lot here. And so we understand that. We understand that if we go down the road of life in a way where we're ignoring God, eventually something's going to happen where we realize I need to get it back on the rails again. And there's so much about life when we are connected to God or disconnected to God that helps us to understand the good things and the bad things and why bad things happen to good people. And so here's how it unfolds. So at that very moment some people came up to him and said, the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices um, uh, uh, basically um, describing an event that happened in the temple. Some people came down from Jesus' part of the country to the temple down in Jerusalem, and they offered sacrifices in the temple complex, and Pilate decided... He didn't like the way they were acting, and so while they were sacrificing their animals, he went and sacrificed them, and it was, it was an unholy mess. And it was shocking, and it was, it was like a school shooting, if I could just not, not be sacrilegious here in either direction, but respectful. It had that kind of a traumatic impact on people that were saying, if I go down to worship, is that the same thing that's going to happen? And so they were bringing to Jesus a very legitimate concern that we want to worship, and we want to worship at the temple, but it's dangerous. And Jesus caught their fears, and he tries to bring that sense of fear to this teaching. And so he answers them, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent you will all likewise perish. So he's kind of saying bad things don't happen to good people because the good people did something bad. But sometimes under conditions that have to do with our relationship with God, if we ignore him and we ignore his purpose for our life, we do so at our peril. And some of us, I know, didn't come to the Lord the first time the Lord said, hey, I want you to be a part of my family. And a lot of us said, it's interesting, it's compelling, 
but I'm not ready. And so God says, well, I'll be here when you are. And we kind of unfold our lives. Life gets complicated. We have problems. We have a crisis. Something happens where we realize that I'm in way over my head. And then God says, but I'm here. I'm waiting. And some of us in that moment came to the realization that, yeah, it just doesn't work very well without Jesus in the middle of it. And the confusion is sometimes we think if I have Jesus, it's all going to be perfect. No, if I have Jesus, I can weather the storm. I can grow through it. I can actually thrive in it. And he has a lot to say about it. And then all of a sudden, all the twists and turns of life that happen to good people and bad people for reasons that we don't understand, Jesus is saying, I'm right here with you in a very broken world because my job isn't just to save you, but it's to save the whole thing. It's a tall order, isn't it? But wouldn't it be wonderful to be in a place where you didn't have all the brokenness? that we have to deal with, that we didn't wake up in the morning thinking, I'm anxious, I'm fearful, I'm uncertain, that there is an environment that is centered around the life of Jesus that says this is the kingdom, and one day it'll be put in perfect order, and you'll be there. And the perfect part about it is it won't be that you won't have a choice, but it'll, you'll always be thinking, how can I make the right choice because the other choices don't even make sense? I mean, I'm just going to be crude here for a second. We had some options here. If we didn't have any water, we could have drank it out of the toilet. Would you drink water out of the toilet? But do I have a choice to do that? All right, we'll, finish, we'll stop there. That's enough. But... I honestly believe in that new creation. You won't even, you'll look at the options about doing good versus bad, and you'll be like, well, of course I'm going to do the right. I'm going to do the thing I'm supposed to do because it's the, only, it's the only way to go here. And that's a crude way of saying that we'll have freedom. We'll have the ability to choose, but it'll be such a refreshing, healthy environment that the choices will be so obvious. Now, I'm sure there's more to it than that. And that's a vision that Jesus has in the back of his mind as he's trying to deal with the realities of the everyday of you and I. And one of the concerns is, hey, you've, the way to God has been blocked by the fear of Pilate. And Jesus said, you need to repent. And they could have said, but we can't go to the temple and repent. But Jesus is telling them, you no longer have to. You can come to me. Isn't that refreshing? I mean, I think it's good to come to church. And I think at times we have to confess to other people stuff on our hearts that we're caught up in, people that we trust. I think it's good to sing and to gathering groups and to do those things. But the coolest thing about what we do when we gather is that Jesus is always with us. 
in our home, in our worship gathering. Everywhere we go, the temple is there. The priest is there. The sacrifice is there. The God who died for us is there. The God who rose again in the abundant hope that this is going somewhere is there. And I'm so proud of our church during this season for tuning into that, establishing yourselves in that, and getting through what we've gone through, knowing that though I can't see those things in this sense, they are just as real as every time I ask water, my control box kicks on and I can't see it, and it says, yes, you can have water anytime, except when you can't. But Jesus says, yes, you can have water anytime. And where this breaks down isn't with me, but it's with you. And he's not saying that harshly. He's saying that pastorally. And as Jesus is unfolding this, he uses a word, repentance, which he doesn't use very often. Because the whole time that he's doing ministry, he's actually, people are starting to turn away from this to that. Repentance just seems to be happening automatically with a lot of people. They're just starting to say, I used to go this direction, but now I'm going this direction. I'm following you. And I found that, you know, when I first thought, when I went into the baptistry, I wasn't going to sin anymore. And the first time that I did sin after I came up out of the baptistry, I'm like, Oh, man, I failed. The only thing I failed at was I just um, was inexperienced in what it means to follow the Lord. I needed help. And what I discovered along the way was the more I keep him at the center, the more it seems like I'm drawn to the things that are of him and not the things that maybe used to distract me. So I'm not cataloging, you know, all the stuff that I used to do or I shouldn't do and being preoccupied with it too much. But I'm focusing on him and just seeing how everything that he is about replaces all of that in a much more satisfactory way. Whoa, okay, I know it's heavy. Um, we're going to get through this. Uh, so Jesus fires back. Repentance is a summons to a reordered life, a way of life that says, I am now establishing my life in you, and I'm ordering it around you. That's repentance. There are other aspects of it. I mean, sometimes we have to do a self-inventory and say, yeah, Lord, uh, forgive me. Yeah, Lord, I need to deal with this. But it's, but it's broader than that, though it includes that. And so Jesus fires back and he says, of those 18 of whom the Tower of Siloam fell, which is another story that was in the headlines, and killed them, do you think they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish likewise. And there's a lot of history behind this, but I'm just going gonna, I'm gonna to move on into the parable of the vineyard. So he tells this parable. A man had a fig tree. He planted it in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit from it, and he didn't find any. And he said to the vine dresser, Look, for three years now, I have come seeking fruit on this tree, on this fig tree, and I find none. 
cut it down. Why should it be used up? Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, that is the, uh, the, the vine dresser, answered the owner, sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and put on manure. Then it should bear fruit next year. Well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. A lot of people have said, what, what are you talking about, Jesus? But he's talking about, I think, and this is, this is a fun, I mean, this is why people don't touch this. There's a lot of different explanations. But for me, the satisfactory one is the people that were at the Tower of Siloam perished in a way that was maybe through no fault of their own, Maybe somebody there did something that caused other workers to get killed. Don't really know. But I think what Jesus is anticipating is in another generation, this temple that is so beautiful is going to be gone. Everything about our way of life is going to be gone. The Romans are going to come in, and they're going to decimate everything. And if you don't get right with the Lord, you're going to be caught up in all of that drama. Because God is changing the way that he's doing things because Israel's heart has, been so, heart has been so hard for so long. And not to be too technical, but in the background of this telling, in the minds of people that are Israelites, is a story from Isaiah 7 about God's people being called to be workers of the vineyard to bear fruit and then not being fruit-bearing and God calling judgment upon them. And Jesus is essentially saying that for the people that don't get their life in order around me, it's going to come. And it's heartbreaking. Because they are given over to all these forces that have nothing to do with God, and they're going to perish. And so he tells this story by saying that God sent him for three years to preach the good news and people are not paying attention. And Jesus said, it's time. It's, 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 it's time for the kingdom to manifest in the lives of God's people because the judgment's coming. And you might ask the question, Leonard, how in the world do you relate that to now? The only thing I can say is I don't have absolute clarity regarding this because we don't know how this story ended. It was sort of open-ended. If it goes this way, then this. If it doesn't go this way, then this. And so I, I believe Jesus said it to each of us so that we fill in the blank. The parable of the barren fig tree has no conclusion. Jesus left it up to us to fill it in. And we fill it in by fulfilling the purpose by which we have been called. Live a life that reflects the life of Jesus and Jesus' kingdom values. And I have a couple of slides I probably need to put up there, right, right there. I don't know if we can or not. But... Um, uh, this is essentially um, uh, where this goes. And um, let's, let's, um, let's bump down to the next two after that one. Okay. 
Yeah, thank you. Um, so God is looking at the whole situation. He's been patient with Israel for a long time, and they got off on some other venture. They kind of lost their way. Jesus is having to be like the pastors. kind of got to shock them back into, into reality again and tell them, wake up. He could have just said very, very meekly, I guess what, you guys need to repent. The kingdom of heaven's near and um, going away soon, going down the cross and um, going to rise again. But he didn't deliver the message quite that way. He spoke to the hearts of the people and sometimes very sternly. And I don't know about you, I don't really like to be spoken to sternly. But I've got a history of principles talking to me sternly. In, as a little kid. And I know that God sees us sometimes as just not getting it. And we read this, and if we're sensitive, it kind of shocks us a little bit. We don't like it. But he's saying, you won't like what will happen if you don't pay attention. You with me? Now, as a church... The catalyst, the capacitor, has been Jesus the whole time. He's been saying, no matter what is happening out there, I want to remind you, I am here. And some of us have seen it, and other people, we've been shocked a little bit by the situation. Jesus says, I'm here. And we're like, oh, yes, 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 you're here. And others, maybe we've licked our tongue on the capacitor so much we don't even feel it anymore. I don't know. But each of us has to ask the question, Lord, in this moment, with these people, am I fulfilling your purpose for my life? Because you've obviously got a role for us to play in the chaos. You've got some order to create in a world that is broken. You have lives to redeem, and you have people that are broken, and you have a message that says you can reorder your life in all of that chaos around me and not only get your sanity back, but rediscover your joy. Your life, as much as the math does not add up according to the world, your life will be empowered by the Holy Spirit of God in this moment in a way that you don't get too caught up in that because you're caught up in Him. And as a result of that, water systems will break, cars will get stuck in the ditch, snowstorms will come, COVID will hit families, But Jesus is right there. And all you have to do is turn to him. And turn away from things that are just jamming you up, whatever they may be. Because he's the one who will set you free. Amen? Well, it's not always easy to carry that water to the rest of the world, but it is our water to carry. And it's good water.
hope that if there's anyone in this room who has not drank of the water of life, that maybe you've tasted it a little bit today, and you will make him the priority of your life. And everything else will be added however you need it. Let's pray, and then I have some people I want to invite forward to give their good confession of faith. And if there's anyone else here who's wanting to make that step, we, we certainly want to help you with that. And you can come up and see me after the service or one of the people you see up here on stage or just anybody who looks like they know what they're doing. <laughs> That's why we're here. Would you bow with me? Lord, we are grateful for everything that you have bundled into your life that speaks so loudly to our own. But we're grateful not just for the information, Lord, but for the very personal way that you have shown us yourself. And you've spoken to us right where we're at because you love us right where we are at. But you also know we are caught up in many misguided things that, that undo the good thing that you created in us. And so I pray, Father, that you just help us to clarify what's important in this moment, and that is your son. Thank you, Lord, for giving us a place where we can be encouraged, where we can sometimes be shocked back into awareness of the things you're doing. Thank you that your kindness leads us to repentance. I pray, Father, for this body that you would continue to align us for your purposes, that we would be one in your eyes, and that we would do those things that you call us to do in this moment, that you would take this and make it a new chapter for our lives personally and for our church as a whole regarding the mission that we have while we're here on earth and the very good news that we have to share. Would you bless that, Lord, um, as we bring these things to you? And would you bless um, uh, just this te these testimonies that are getting ready to be offered, that they be received before you and before this body? In Jesus' name, amen. I'd just like to ask before we go into our communion time, um, if, uh, if I could have a, a couple of uh, people come up here uh, and, and offer their uh, confession of faith. So just like to ask John and Chelsea and Greg and Roxanne, um, if you guys would come on up here. What, what I'm asking them to do, because they, um, uh, along with Paul and Roger, who've already been up here, um, they want to they wanna give that testimony, that good confession of faith, and be a part of this body and work alongside us uh, in the work that you're doing. You may have seen these guys here sitting in the church. Maybe you've talked to some, and maybe you look at all these faces, and you're like, I can't remember their name, but I can theirs. Um, that's okay. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, it's all right. Um, but I would just like for you guys to repeat after me the good confession of faith. That way, in our testimony, we are aligned. So would you repeat these words? I believe, I believe. that Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the Living God, and I accept Him as my Lord and Savior. Amen. That's so cool. Well, Greg, Roxanne, Chelsea, John, welcome. Welcome to our family. Okay, you guys can go ahead and have a seat right now. We don't bite. We really don't. And I can speak for, I can't speak for everyone, but I can say for m most of us, 
we're just excited. We're just excited when somebody says, I not only want to declare Jesus as my Lord, but I also want to be a part of a community of broken people, not perfect, struggling at times, but hopefully loving and trustworthy to have my best interests in mind. And that's about as good as it gets from a human point of view. But when God's part of the mix and we're doing what he does, that's when cool things really happen. So we want to take you there. And then one of the reasons why we can take you there is because we are a church that has an agreement with the Lord. And it's called the New Covenant. And it was in the upper room before Jesus was crucified and rose again. It was a covenant that Jesus said is a way of defining how we live together. And I know pride has a huge place in our culture and our lives. But when we see ourselves up close next to Jesus, we don't really have things to brag about because we've got flaws. It's humbling. And everybody's equal at the foot of the cross. And that's a healthy humbling. That's a humbling that says this is the starting place for love to flow, relationships to work, and people to care for one another. And it's all because every Sunday we gather, we take, for now, a piece of bread, and we remember that this is the broken body of Jesus, symbolically recognized and consumed for our sins. And we take the cup and we see the similarity between his own spilled blood, which is a hard concept for some people to recognize without understanding the story. And it is a way for forgiveness to flow into lives that have guilt and shame. For Jesus to take that from us and say, I've, I've bore the responsibility for that. And so we, we drink of the cup and we thank him that we can give him all the things that we're guilty of. And then we leave here a renewed and refreshed people knowing that everything's settled. And we're free to live as we go and live for him.
people hear a sermon about repentance sometimes. Um, but it, it's not a bad word, that word repent. It's, uh, it's the God-prescribed route to restoration. It says, come this way. It's a good word. It's an invitation onto the only source of joy that doesn't leave us hungover in some sort of way. Uh, real joy. So as we sing this, um, keep on your heart the invitation and the peace that we find through walking through the door of it. You have searched me and know my heart before I spoke. Oh 
you leave yourself the only option in our lives. Thank you. Because you're the only one that accomplishes anything and gets us through. The only one that satisfies. The only one that's, that works. Yours is the door. Let us go through it. Let us find all that we're trying to and other things and let us leave those other things on the other side of the door behind us. It all, it's all by your grace. May you grant us this grace and begin to work these things within us. Thank you by hearing your word, you've begun this. And you'll continue to help us to bear the fruit, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And it's for your wonderful name we pray. Thank you. Amen. All right, we'll see you soon. If you have to drink out of the toilet, drink the water out of the tank, not the bowl. <laughs> it's the same water that comes through your kitchen sink.